0: I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Time Out Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Iowa State Cyclones head coach, Steve Prohm. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Glad, glad to do it. Excited to visit. Typically, I usually have guests talk about a particular topic, but... With this episode I just wanted to talk about some things that I was thinking about and wanted to get somebody who has had the expertise that you've had and demonstrated you looking back on the last 9 10 years of you being a head coach maybe something that you do now compared to what you did those first years that you've completely changed.
1: When we were at Murray State, you know, we always we had some really good guards, Isaiah Cannon, Cameron Payne, just to name a couple guys that that played in the NBA, but you know, our front court, we had those six six, six seven, just motored up, you know, athletic, you know, forwards, no true five men and not just a super, super, super skilled guy. I mean, they could do things on the perimeter and and obviously make free throws and handle it, but but just more junkyard dog and and athletes. And so, during my first year there, though, one of our starting forwards, who was a really good player for us, got hurt, and we had to kind of start playing small a little bit. And so that's where we kind of started doing some of the spread ball screens and spreading people out that way. But traditionally, a Murray it was more three perimeter guys, sometimes four guards. But our front court guy was filled with motor, motor, motor up guys, you know, that kind of that mid-major sort of prerequisite people talk about or you see when you watch the tournament. Now getting here uh, at Iowa State and, and replacing Coach Hoiberg and kind of interacting some of the stuff that he did in the past and that I did and kind of putting that all together. I think that the success we've had is when we've been able to really spread people out by going true small ball and, Playing guys like Taylor Horton Tucker at the four, Mariel Shayok at the four, you know, guys that are currently with the Lakers and Sixers, but putting really four guys out there with a five man that can dribble, pass, shoot, make decisions, and really selling out to that. I think that's probably been the biggest thing. We've always played at a great, great pace. Uh, We've always really emphasized changing ends, defense to offense, you know, ball movement. Uh, We probably do a lot more now of. Off the ball, cutting when ball screen actions are going, just to keep the defense honest. We're probably at Murray. We maybe did a little bit more, a little bit more standing, and now we've got a lot more movement with cutting. Whether we call it a through cut, where we cut from the high slot, or a corner cut, where we cut from the opposite corner. But again, just to trying to create movement and trying to create open gaps for guys to drive the ball. Defensively, we haven't changed a ton. But the way we like to play now in a perfect world is to be able to switch one through four. And then ball screen coverage has been different ways, whether it's been flat show, ice, and even late in the year this year, we switched with the five. But our best defensive teams that we've had here, they've been able to switch one through four. We've had a couple of tough teams that struggled defensively. But, you know, a year ago, we were we went into February. We were one of only seven schools, 25 in both offense and defense, But that team
0: in 2019 was really, really versatile. That's kind of looking at the tactical X's and O's. You can stay with that or you can go culture wide with this next one. But if somebody came to your practices and observed what you did in that two hour period, what would they say or what words would they describe your practice?
1: Oh, I think number one, pace of practice. I think that's one of the things, the feedback that, you know, scouts come in or, you know coaches come in and watch you can get a lot in, in 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 a in a good amount of time because of the pace the way we change ends the way you keep keep practice going the flow of practice i think number 1 that would be something big that you know people would get away uh we do a lot of breakdowns to where it's kind of breakdown breakdown and then bring it all together and that's both offensively and defensively to where I think fundamentally they'll see, you know, we warm up with a lot of fundamentals with so many guys now with, the, if you told them to jump, stop, front pivot, jump, stop, reverse pivot. There's a lot of guys that you're coaching right now can't do that as crazy as that may sound. And so I think trying, I think they'd say, Hey, they're going to, they're going to get going with, with a lot of fundamentals uh, there's going to be a lot of breakdowns and then they're going to bring it all together. And then we are going to play a lot of five on five, but offensively, there's probably a little bit more of a, focus from an offensive standpoint of, you know, uh, with our breakdowns of 2-on-0, 3-on-0, 4-on-0, understanding our concepts, our reads, and our fundamentals, you know, probably needs to shift a little bit to where, you know, we, we get our defensive culture back where we need to be as we go forward, as I break down this season as we go forward. But I think if you came to our practice, you'd say pace of practice, number one, the breakdowns, number
0: two, and then there's not a lot of wasted time. You talk about the defense and the offense. Coaches are always debating, is that something that I practice together? Is that something that I I split first half, second half? Is it something that I give equal attention and weight to? How do you feel? And maybe even what you said, uh, reassessing this last season, what do you want to do going forward?
1: Yeah, I would, if you had to really put a percentage number on it, maybe 60, 40 offense, defense, you know, but there's some things we've got to cover every single day from a defensive standpoint, Uh, Number one, transition. This was a year, for whatever reason, we weren't very good in transition defense. And I think, obviously, your your defense starts and ends, I think, with how good you are in transition. If you're not great in transition, you're going to be in rotation and struggle all night. But I think closeouts, transition defense, some type of half-court necessarily, not dummy shell, but some type of half-court defensive shell and then box out and guarding the dribble. I mean, those, those four or five, and I may be missing one off the top of my head, maybe a disadvantage, but we're going to hit on four or five of those things in some form or fashion, whether it's in a station in the first 15 minutes of practice, because we'll do station groups a lot in the beginning to where we may work, one group in a station may work on walling up uh, or verticality. The other group may work on closeouts and the other may group may work on one-on-one box outs, just high energy, rapid, four or five minutes of station, get some reps, and just get them going with energy. And so probably 60-40 offense, defense, that may need to change
0: a little bit. This is switching gears a little bit and talk about game management. And I wanted to ask you this because I want people to hear a head coach at a Division One level, the thought process behind some of these decisions. The first one has to do with, playbook. I know you have a great playbook. Do you change things from year to year? Is it personnel driven? Do you pull out entire chunks so that opponents are having to scout new things? What does a playbook going into the season, what does that look like as compared to what you had in the past? I think you know a lot
1: of people say, you know, I think a lot is personnel driven. Uh, we'd like to keep our same concepts to where uh, we're either playing at a four out, one in, or five out you know, based on uh, makes what, I, what we call, based on misses on about who rebounds. it. If the five-man rebounds it, we're going to be playing out of five out. If anybody else rebounds it, we're going to be playing out of four out, one in, and anybody can – whoever rebounds the ball for us can push it. Uh, if the five-man rebounds it, it's a, it's a one-dribble and quick outlet to the point guard. But if the three-man rebounds it or our small ball four rebounds it, then they're, then they're really pushing the ball. And so I think our concepts don't change. You know, from the standpoint of, you know, on the wing, if we throw below to the corner, we're always cutting opposite. Now, what we do on post feeds may change year to year based on personnel, but our transition game is is pretty much going to stay the same. Now, what we do in the half court, we have our core stuff. We've been fortunate last five point guards. I've had five point guards since I've been coaching going on my 10th year. Four to the five have been drafted in the NBA and the fifth one probably will make him his way there at some point. He's in Germany right now. And so, obviously, there's lots predicated into transition action for him, uh, for that position, um, how we set ball screens. And so, some of that stuff, again, is, is the concepts. Our ball screen concepts stay the same. People go under our ball screens. We always rescreen. Obviously, work on rejecting ball screens, flipping ball screens, or people would call it twist ball screens. But there's some core stuff we're going to take year to year, and then we're always going to add some new stuff and kind of sprinkle that in throughout the year. But, you know, I I think there's the core stuff that if you watched everybody in our league, there's their core stuff that when you do your scout, if you turned in last year's scout, 75% of the stuff still going to be there.
0: Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com let's talk about timeouts i'm interested to hear i was just talking last week to coach rex walters over at wake forest and heard what a timeout looks like from an assistant coach's perspective and he alluded to the fact it's different obviously as a head coach because you're thinking about the game as a whole and um, they're not responsible for one area like an assistant is you gotta so let's say an under eight timeout happens in a typical game As soon as the horn goes off, what are the things you're starting to think of before you even get to talking? What are you doing as far as meeting assistant coaches, talking to them? What information do you want? And then what are you taking to the guys? And I know each situation is different, but is there maybe a thought pattern that you go through when that horn goes off?
1: I think the first thought process is, you know, our guys get into the bench. Some of the assistant coaches know that they're in charge charge of getting that huddle the right way of how we want them everybody to to locate and then the other four or five coaches we gather I think the first question two questions that I ask a lot is number one really three quote number one do we need to make any lineup changes is there any lineup changes we need to make right now because we got to get that guy to the table number two you know quickly and I have a coach that's kind of You know, he's in charge of offense or watching offense more, one charge of defense. Uh, Whoever has the scout, they've got the matchups. And so, number one, like I talked, substitutions. Number two, guys, you know, based on time and score, we'll feel the game where we're at. If we need a basket in that situation, what do we want to do? Who needs to get this play? Do we need to run horns down? Do we need to run two? Do we need to run four? what's been good for us that you think we can go to right now if we need a basket or if it's we're four-minute, under four-minute median, we're up 11 with 240 to go, what's something good we can do, A, to get a basket, but, bear, but B, where we have some ball reversal in it? And then I think the last question to them is, defensively, do we need to make any changes? Is it their ball? Do we need to go zone one possession? Should we go three-quarter court back to 10, which is our man defense? should we switch everything? You know, there's a great clip at the end of the TCU game here at home this year to where last possession, we kind of thought what we kind of gambled on what we thought they would do. Sometimes you gamble right, sometimes you gambled wrong. We trapped the ball screen. That was the one thing we talked about. And we ended up, you know, kind of getting a turnover at it and was fortunate to win the game. And so I think those are the three biggest questions, you know, from that standpoint there. And it's ABC and Media timeouts are long. Obviously, thirty-second timeouts. The head coach more is just getting right to the to the point of what he wants. Um, and whether you call thirty-second timeouts or not, I think that's a feel of the game, and I think it's a feel of your team. Are they experienced? I'll let them play through it. If they're inexperienced. Shoot, I may I may burn two in the first half.
0: Aside from the substitutions that you just talked about, as the game is going on. Do you substitute based off of just feel? Do you have in mind uh, minutes that you know a guy is typically going to get as a combination? How how do you make your substitution? And do you do all the substitutions or as an assistant, can an assistant do it as, as well?
1: The assistant doesn't just say, Hey, Joe, get in the game, but the assistant will obviously give a ton of suggestions, uh, whether it's during the flow of the game and during timeouts, but you know, use or I'll say, hey, you know, Tony, grab John and get him in there. Uh, but I mean, it's it's kind of a mutual thing. But I usually, majority of the time, will send them in if I'm down by the timeline coaching. I'll yell at an assistant to send somebody in. Um, I really believe it's it's you go with your gut. Uh, I've I've done that for a long time. It's been really good for me. I know a lot of people script substitutions, especially when you talk about NBA and you know second teams and and, and minutes played, but. They used to have a joke about Monte Morris when he played here. How many minutes is coach going to play him? And the the radio guy said 38, 37 minutes with gusts, with winds and gusts <laughs> up to 40. And so um, I read a great quote by Jeff Van Gundy the other night. and It kind of reaffirms what I believe is play your best players the most they can play, you know, and have them on the floor. And so I think my best teams that I've had, you know, have, have played in that seven. You know, we always, we always had a saying, man, let's get seven and a half, really good players. You got seven and a half really good ones, eight and nine need to be ready to go. And then 10, 11, you know, are developing and hopefully 12 and 13 are red shirting.
0: This last segment here is unrelated, but still related. And it's basketball and family. You have a wife and children and young children at that. And I know a lot of coaches, especially the higher you move up, the ranks can struggle balancing the two, even though I I don't know that I like the term balancing because that sometimes feels like you have two opposing sides that are almost fighting with each other. But how do you make sure that both of those get the right attention?
1: Well, I think I couldn't imagine being an assistant with with three kids under five years old. Um, The thing I'm fortunate is I can set my schedule as the head coach and that's 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 a real blessing, and so I think number one i've been we'll be married going on seven years this summer we've got three little ones just turned one, three, and five. We've actually won championships every year we've had a kid born uh, <laughs> and so those have, that's been great for us but that in my faith will always be the number one thing in my life and I joke around I've probably become a worse coach <laughs> as I've become a you know as I've become a better father but You know, I I can live with that. I love my family. Uh, I I love my wife. She's a rock star. And then my kids are, yeah, I'm very fortunate to where I can wake up, spend time with them, and I'm going to spend time with them every morning before I go to the office. I'm going to drop my son at preschool. Now, school's canceled now, but I'm going to drop him off every day at preschool before I go in the office. That's just what I'm going to do. And when my daughter gets that age, I'm going to do the same thing with her. And when my youngest is, I'm going to do the same thing with him. Um, because you, you can have a great home life and still win games. You know, we've been a, head co- been a head coach going on 10 years. We've been over 20 wins every year but twice. And so – and we've been a part of five championship teams and tournaments and, and great players. But I think your players, you know, especially in the society and world we're in today, these players need to see, you know, how you treat your wife – how you treat your kids, how you are as a husband and a father. I think you've got to be an unbelievable role model for those guys. And so that's, that's the that's the best thing in my life I've got going.
0: That's Coach Steve Prohm, Iowa State uh, men's basketball head coach. Coach, thanks for taking some time to join us today. Thanks so much. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.